All right, brothers and sisters in the faith, uh, praises be to our loving Yahuwah for gathering each one of us so that we can study all about his words. Like what we promised today, we're going to go back to the book of Leviticus, and we are on Leviticus chapter 23, which discusses the feasts or festivals of Yahuwah, our God. Now, there are those who are saying, you know, why, why bother to study the Old Testament? Have you received that kind of criticism before? Because we as a group, we decided, okay, let's go back all the way to Genesis and see what we can receive from our Father, our loving Yahuwah, our God. Because we believe there's something God can teach us and wants to teach us about what we need to do in preparation for salvation. Now, why is it important to us to study the feasts of Yahuwah and the other Old Testament uh, issues and Old Testament uh, instructions from Yahuwah our God? Well, this is what it says in the book of Acts, chapter 20, and the verse is 28. Do you remember that verse? It's our favorite verse, right? Acts 20, 28. What does Acts 20, 28 say? Take heed, therefore. Let's go ahead and read Acts 20, 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, or church of the Lord, which he purchased with his own blood. So according to scriptures, we need to shepherd the church that belongs to God by virtue of the shed blood of his son, Yahusha the Christ. This was the instruction of Apostle Paul before he passed away, before he died. He was teaching the elders, you need to shepherd the church. You need to be overseers of the church. You need to feed the church. And how must they feed the church? We read 28, 27, Apostle Paul says, For I have not shunned. What does that word mean? Shunned. He did not avoid, right? He wanted to make sure he had to do this. No one, he would not allow himself to be hindered from doing this. He said, For I have not shunned. To declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church. And so Apostle Paul gave an example of what to do. To feed and shepherd the church. What we need is to understand the whole counsel of God. What does the whole counsel of God include? The Old Testament and the New Testament. This is why we want to know God's whole counsel, not just parts of his counsel that was taught by a certain person here on earth, but all of God's counsel, because all the words of God has been inspired by the Spirit. And so we can learn something from the book of Leviticus chapter 23. What does it say? What does it want us to do? Leviticus 23, 1 to 2 and 4. And Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feasts of Yahuwah, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. These are my feasts. These are the feasts of Yahuwah. Holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. It's very clear what Yahuwah God wants done. He said to Moses, speak to the children of Israel. Three times in this passage, what does Yahuwah emphasize? That he has feasts, right? 
He said, the feasts of Yahuwah, my feasts. These are the feasts of Yahuwah. So these are not the feasts of Israel. Did you get that? These are the feasts of Yahuwah, our God. And what does God want us to do about the feasts? It says, proclaim to be holy convocations. And so let's, let's take a look at these two words, feasts and convocations. We are to proclaim these feasts to be holy convocations. What does that mean? The word convocation. We'll go to the, our favorite resource in the internet. What is that again? The blue letter Bible.org, right? We'll go to Leviticus chapter 23 and we'll look at that word convocation at the bottom. It is the Hebrew word mikra, Hebrew 4744. What does that mean? It means convocation, assembly, obviously, convoking, reading. What else? It also, it also means a rehearsal. And so the reason why the people of Israel were instructed to observe the feasts of Yahuwah is because as they do so, it was like a dress rehearsal for an actual event. Did you get that? It's like when you, get, when you go to a wedding, when people get married before the actual day of the ceremony, what do they have before? They have a practice. It's called a dress rehearsal. They are rehearsing an actual event that will take place in the future. And so these feasts are rehearsals that need to be proclaimed because by rehearsing them, we prepare for the actual event that they foreshadow. This is why we need to understand the feasts. Now, what does that word mean? Feasts of Yahuwah. It says they're feasts in Hebrew, in the blue Bible, uh, blue letter Bible. This is what it says unto them concerning the feast. You see the highlighted word feasts, right? It's moed. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, right? But it's the Hebrew word H4150. And what does it mean? Sacred season, set feast, appointed season, appointed sign or signal. And so the feast signal something in the future. The feast proclaim something. It's also an appointed season. It's an appointed festival or feast from Yahuwah corresponding to a season. Now, the Hebrew people, how do they determine the seasons and the feasts? This is what it says in Genesis 1.14. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament. This was back in the days of creation. Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. A lot of people forget God created the stars, God created the sun and the moon, not only to serve as lights, right? But also so that it can be the basis for determining what? Seasons, days, and years. Not only that, but also signs. This is why when Yahusha was born, what sign was used? Right? His star. His star was seen. You see, God uses the stars, the firmament, to serve as signs, including signs that we need to prepare for prior to the second advent of 
Yahusha the Christ. A sign in the heavens was used to prepare the people for the first advent of Yahusha, right? This is why when the wise men saw the star, what did they say? They knew, they knew a prophecy was going to be fulfilled. You see, even way back in the book of Genesis, the purpose of these lights not only is to give seasons and days and years, but also signs. This is why the festivals of Yahuwah, they're very powerful because they give a sign. Now the calendar based upon, uh, that, that is used by the Hebrew people, what is it based upon? In book of Psalms 81 verse three, sound the ram's horn at the new moon. And when the moon is full on the day of our feast. And so the Hebrew calendar, unlike our Gregorian calendar, the Gregorian calendar is based on what? The sun, right? But our calendars, the Hebrew calendar is based on the moon. This is why the Hebrew year is 360 years, not 365, but 360. And so when they see a new moon, to them that is a new month. So the lunar calendar is what is observed by the Jews. This is why the Jewish calendar and our Gregorian calendar do not have the same first months. Our first month, what is it? January, right? But for the Hebrew people, what is their first month? This was before the Exodus. Well, this is the Hebrew month. The, the, one of the unique things about the Hebrew people is they have two calendars. They have a civil calendar, right? They also have a religious calendar. You know who invented the religious calendar? We'll show you later. I'm going to ask you later who invented the religious calendar. But the civil calendar started at creation, right? In the civil calendar, the Hebrew calendar, the first month is what? Between September and October. So sometimes it falls on September. Sometimes it falls on a October because they followed the, the moon, okay? So the first month was September, October. The seventh month was March, April. The twelfth month was August, September, right? However, something happened on in the book of Exodus. Remember when the people of Israel were in bondage there in Egypt, right? And God sent Moses to deliver them. And what did God do? What did God use to set free his people Israel? God used the ten plagues. What was plague number 10? The death of the firstborn son, right? And when the angel of death passed through Egypt, it passed over the people of Israel who followed the instructions of Yahuwah our God. And so on that day, they were delivered. They were set free by Pharaoh. And so they became a new nation. And so Exodus 12, 1 to 3, Yahuwah says, Now Yahuwah spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. So what did, who, who was the one who invented the religious calendar of, of uh, the people of Israel? Who was it? It was God himself, right? It was Yahuwah, our God. 
because on this day when the people of Israel were finally set free from bondage in Egypt, what month was it? It was the seventh month. But then Yehovah God said, no, make this month number one. This is why the, the people of Israel today, you have two calendars. They have the civil calendar and the religious calendar. The prophets used and referred to the religious calendar. From Exodus onwards, what they referred to was the religious calendar. It's called the spiritual calendar because after all, it was established by who? Yahuwah, our God. So let's look at the religious calendar of the people of Israel. What's the first month of the religious calendar? March and April. Of That's uh, the religious calendar. So the first month of the year falls between March and April. How about the seventh month? September and October. What is their last month of the year? It is uh, February or March. So that's the religious calendar of the people of Israel. And so let's go back to Leviticus 23 and look at what the structure of this chapter tells us. 23, 1 to 4. And Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the feasts of Yahuwah, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. These are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of a solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of Yahuwah in all your dwellings. These are the feasts of Yahuwah, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. So what do you notice about what God is telling Moses here? He's saying to Moses, these are the feasts I want you to observe together with the what? The Sabbath. Okay, so the Sabbath was part of what was to be observed. The Sabbath was not technically considered a feast. There was a Sabbath, which was done weekly, every seventh day, right? However, in addition to the Sabbath that was observed weekly, there were the seven annual feasts or festivals. So let's look at the structure of Leviticus chapter 23. Let's look at the feast the appointed time, and also the event corresponding to this feast and appointed time. Let's begin with the first one. We know it is the Sabbath. The Sabbath was mentioned first in the book of Leviticus. Before detailing the feasts, it went to discuss first about the Sabbath. How many here can remember the purpose of the Sabbath? When we study the Ten Commandments of Yahuwah our God. Remember what Yahuwah God said concerning the commandment to observe His Sabbath? Let's go back to Exodus 20, verse 11. For in six days, Yahuwah made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why Yahuwah blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. And so Yahuwah wanted to remind the people of Israel that he was the creator of all that was ever created. And on the seventh day, he rested. That's the purpose of the Sabbath. We'll get to that later on in our study. So in Leviticus 23, we have the Sabbath, right? After the Sabbath, which was weekly, what was the first festival or first feast? It was actually, I mean, what do you think it is? 
What do you think the first feast was? It should be done on the first month, right? When is the first month again? That correspond to our Gregorian calendar, March and April. What kind of falls between March and April? <laughs> yeah, the Passover. See that cute little lamb, right? You know what's going to happen to that cute little lamb? Well, I don't want to talk about it right now. But Passover was given by God as a festival. It's actually part of the festival of the unleavened bread. They're both together. The Passover like, was the preparation day for the festival of unleavened bread. So when was this observed? It says in Leviticus 23 verse 5, on the 14th day of the first month, that twilight is Yahuwah's Passover. And so it begins on a day at a specific time. When? Twilight. What does that mean? In other translations, it says sundown, right? Technically, and many Jews observe this, it begins at 6 p.m. You see, in the Jewish calendar, the new day begins at 6 p.m. In our calendar, the new day begins at 12 a.m., right? But in the Jewish calendar, the new day begins at 6 p.m. The, and the new month begins the new moon. And so in Leviticus 23, verse 5, it says, On the 14th day of the first month, which is the month of Nisan, you've probably heard that before, right? The month of Nisan. So the 14th day of the, the first month at twilight is Yahuwah's Passover. Now, for the year 2020, because remember, the lunar calendar, because it's always changing in relation to our calendar, Passover in our calendar is different every year, right? So for 2020, when was Passover observed this year, 2020? April 8, 2020 was Passover. How about 2021? I don't know. You have to look that up, okay? But Passover for this year, 2020, took place April the 8th. And what is observed? What is the purpose of Passover? Exodus 12, 1, 2, 3. We talked about this before. Now, Yahuwah spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the 10th day of this month, Every man shall take for himself a lamb. And so Passover is on the 14th, right? The 14th day of the seventh month. But even before the 14th day, on the 10th day of that month, what does every household do? They select a lamb. And so for four days, the lamb is inspected. It's observed. It is prepared. Because on the 14th, what are they going to do with that lamb? 12, 5 to 6, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. If you're poor, you couldn't afford a sheep. People of Israel, you can go ahead and get a goat instead. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And so what are they, what are they going to do with that lamb? That cute lamb. That cute pure, innocent lamb on the 14th day. What are they going to do with it? They're going to kill it. You see, Yahuwah wanted to tell the people of Israel, 
that sin and atonement for sin is a big deal. An innocent person is going to be killed because so that they can atone for sins. And so the purpose of the Passover was to remind the people of Israel what they experienced when they were set free from the from, from bondage in Egypt. Do you know why it's called Passover? Why is it called Passover? Because when the angel of death passed throughout Egypt, God gave instructions to Moses at twilight on the 14th, right? What were they supposed to do? Kill a lamb, dip the lamb with the, the, the blood of the lamb with some, you get hyssop, dip it, and then put it on the door frames of every household. And so when the angel of death passed over the people of throughout Egypt, if there was a household and there's blood of lamb uh, smeared on the doorposts, the angel of death would pass over those households. That's why it's called pass over. And so to remember that day, every 14th, they're going to kill a Passover lamb. Okay, so Leviticus 23 Sabbath, of course, the first uh, feast or festival was Passover. When was it? 14th day of the seventh month. What's the next one? Leviticus 23, 6 to 8. On the 15th day of the same month, which is the following day, right? Is the feast of unleavened bread to Yahuwah. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. On the first day you have a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, but you shall offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah for seven days. The seventh day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. And so what's the next festival after Passover? The Feast of Unleavened Bread. Jews usually refer to the whole event as the days of unleavened bread because even on the on the 14th they eat only unleavened bread that's when they start eating unleavened bread and then on the 15th starts the feast of the unleavened bread how many days is that on the first day you shall have a holy convocation you shall do no customary work and you will do this for how many days Seventh, seven days. The seventh day shall be a holy convocation. Take note what the Bible says about the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. The Feast of the Unleavened Bread, on that day, you are to do no customary work. And so it's a special Sabbath. Okay? So, for example, Passover, the 14th, takes place on a Wednesday. Okay? Thursday is the Feast of Unleavened bread that feast of unleavened bread is recognized as a sabbath because the word sabbath does not mean saturday it means rest okay so in the hebrew in the biblical culture of the people of god even a, a non-saturday can be a sabbath like the feast of the unleavened bread some days are called special sabbaths or high day high sabbaths since they do not fall on a Saturday, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is a special 
Sabbath, so 14th, 15th. Uh, now, during this, this year, 2020, when was the Feast of Unleavened Bread? April 9, 2020. Okay, so we have the Passover, and then the Feast of Unleavened Bread. What happens next? What's the next um, festival? Let's read Leviticus 23, 9 to 12. And Yahuwah spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you, and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. He shall wave the sheaf before Yahuwah to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it, and you shall offer on that day when you wave the sheaf a male lamb of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering to Yahuwah. So what's the next feast or festival? Well, the Bible says that when you first enter the promised land, which did not happen until Joshua's time, right? This is what they're supposed to do. Afterwards, when are they to observe this festival? The Bible says the day after the Sabbath. And so you have Passover, you have unleavened bread, and afterwards the first Saturday, right? And after that day, the day after the Sabbath, you will have the first fruits. You get that? Why is it called the first fruits? Because we need to understand the Hebrew calendar is based on the lunar calendar. It's also based on agriculture, sowing and reaping or harvesting. When you have a harvest, the first fruits means the first produce, right? The first set of goods that come out from the land. You dedicate that to who? Yahuwah our God. Because normally, if you are an agriculturist and you have like a plot of land and you sow and reap, first you have like a first fruit, right? And you have like the main harvest in the middle. And then you have like leftovers. It's called gleanings that you give to the poor. So that's usually how the harvest time frame look like. You have the first fruits, the main harvest, right? And then the gleanings or the leftovers. So the first fruits, the Bible says, the day after the Sabbath, it is to be declared to who? Yahuwah our God. And so what are they supposed to do on the first day after the Sabbath? They're supposed to get a sheaf, a bundle of wheat, a bundle of grain, and, and wave it to Yahuwah our God. Did you get that? That's what they're going to do. This is called the Feast of First Fruits. And for this year, 2020, it will happen April the 12th, which is going always going to be a Sunday. Why? Because it's always after the Sabbath, the seventh Sabbath. Okay, so April the 12th. And so what we have so far, we have the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits. What is the next uh, festival? Well, let's read Leviticus 23, 15 to 16. So after first fruits, because in first fruits, the people of God basically gave the first produce to God as a gift, right? 
What do you think the next feast is about? Let's find out. 23, 15 and 16. And you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath, from that, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, even sab seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall offer a new grain offering to Yahuwah. And so when, after the first fruits, the first crops were dedicated to the Father, to Yahuwah our God, the next bunch of crops, that belongs to who? The people of Israel, the people of God. They get to enjoy the bounty from the land. And so in the first fruits ceremony, they were to give the, the, the first produce of the land as a gift to God. In the feast, the next feast, God allows them to receive as a gift what the land produces. This is the main harvest. When does this take place? 50 days from the first fruits. This is why it's also called Pentecost or Shavuot. Shavuot because it's seven sevens, seven weeks plus one, right? So it's called Feast of Weeks, Feast of Harvest because this was the main harvest, Yahuwah's gift through the land to be enjoyed by the people of Israel. 50 days from the, fir, the, fir, the Feast of First Fruits. When does this happen? May 31st, 2020. So if you count from August, uh, not August, but April 9, uh, 49 days or 50 days on the 50th, starting with uh, April 9, you get May 31st, 2020. Okay, now what happens on the festival of harvest. Let's read Leviticus 23, 17 and 18. You shall bring from your dwellings two wave loaves of two tenths of an ephah. They shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. Interesting. In the other offerings presented to you who are gone, it was presented with what? Unleavened bread, right? Unleavened flour, without leaven. But for this one, this was the only feast where leaven was allowed. And so what was you, how did they use the leaven? They shall be a fine flour. They shall be baked. So they're going to make bread from the grain that they get from the land, from the main harvest. That's why it's called Feast of Weeks or Feast of Harvest. But before they get it for themselves, they first dedicate the first fruits of that to who? Yahuwah our God. How do they do that? They bake bread with leaven. They are the first fruits to Yahuwah. And you shall offer with the bread seven lambs of the first year without blemish, one young bull and two rams. They shall be as a burnt offering to Yahuwah with their grain offering and their drink offerings are an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to Yahuwah. And so... On the Feast of Weeks, or the Feast of Harvest, they shall, it, the priest will begin the ceremony by waving a, not a sheaf this time, but two loaves of bread made with leaven. Afterwards, what else will they do? Then you shall sacrifice one kind, one kid, 
one kid of the goats, not one kid. Okay. When I first saw that, I said, what, are you going to sacrifice a kid? No, one kid of the goats as a sin offering and two male lambs. That's interesting. You notice that the number two is used? Two loaves of bread, two lambs of the first year as a, a sacrifice of a peace offering. The priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before Yahuwah with the two lambs. They shall be holy to Yahuwah for the priest. And so in this ceremony, before they eat the produce for themselves, they dedicate the first fruits of that produce to God first by baking bread, two loaves, waving it to God, and also by killing and sacrificing two male lambs. What also were they instructed? 23, 22. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners your field when, of your field when you reap, nor shall you gather any gleaning from your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am Yahuwah, your God. And so the Bible says when you're harvesting your crops, make sure the corners, the leftover, the, the parts that are not in the middle, the main core of the harvest, you leave that for the poor. And Yahuwah says, because I am Yahuwah, your God. So God is telling us we should have the same concern for those who are poor. So, so far we have the Passover, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the Feast of the First Fruits, and the Feast of Harvest, or Feast of Weeks, called Pentecost. Okay, what happens next? Leviticus 23, 23 to 25, Then Yahuwah spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the, of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah. This is called the Feast of Trumpets. It occurs on the seventh month. What day in the seventh month? The first day. And so when is that observed? In 2020, September 19, 2020. And so that's next month, right? Practically next month is the Feast of Trumpets. You know, sometimes when you're watching Game of Thrones, remember what they say? What do they say in Game of Thrones? winter is coming you know i think bible's telling us we should have in our minds autumn is coming look the feast of trumpets when is that for this year 2020 september 19 2020 well why is that a big deal well we'll tell you later but what is this all about what were the trumpets used for in bible times anyways Let's read Numbers 10, 1 and 2. Then Yahuwah spoke to Moses saying, Make two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them of hammered work. You shall use them for calling the congregation and for directing the movement of the camps. Also in the day of your gladness, in your appointed feasts, and at the beginning of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings. And they shall be a memorial for you before your God. I am Yahuwah, your God. However, so the, the use of the trumpets has many purposes, right? It is used when at the, the beginning of an appointed feast, the beginning of months, during sacrifices, so on and so forth. However, 
on the day of the Feast of Trumpets, it is blown many times because of a reason and a purpose. We'll let you know later on. Now, so, so far we have the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. Ne and next we have the Feast of Trumpets. And so during the Feast of Trumpets, trumpets are blown many times because it is announcing a special day for the people of Israel. And we talked about this before. It's perhaps the most special day in all of the feasts of the people of Israel. What is that? Leviticus 23, 26 to 28. And Yehovah spoke to Moses saying, also the 10th day of this seventh month. And so it's still the same month, right? You notice the first three feasts all occurred in the same month. And the next three feasts, the last three feasts also, the last three feasts also occur on the same month, okay? And so on the 10th of this seventh month shall be the day of atonement. We discussed this before. I think it was last Bible study or was that two Bible studies ago? Yeah, we discussed the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you. You shall afflict your souls. Very strange. And offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah. And you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement. To make atonement for you before Yahuwah, your God. And so the first day of the, second, of the seventh month is the Feast of Trumpets. On the tenth day, it is the special day of Yom Kippur. The day of atonement. On the day of atonement, the high priest, what does he get to do? He gets to go to the most holy place and offer a sacrifice to cleanse himself and to cleanse the people of Israel. We talked about what that pointed to, the sacrifice of Yahusha, HaMashiach. It is on Yom Kippur, the day of atonement is the only day the high priest can go to the most holy place. And for this year, that is on September 28, 2020. And on that day, they were supposed to afflict their souls. And if they were not to afflict their souls, it says here, 2329, for any person who is not afflicted in soul on that same day, what will happen to that person? Shall be cut off from his people. And so that's something that's repeatedly pointed out in scriptures. It was mentioned in Leviticus 16 when we talked about the Day of Atonement. It's also specifically mentioned again for emphasis, I believe, in Leviticus 23, verse 29. So that's so far we have the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost or Feast of Harvest, has a lot of names. And then next is the Feast of Trumpets, then the Day of Atonement, and then the last one. The last one happens to be a day of utter joy and celebration. What is that called? It's the happiest celebration of the people of Israel. The happiest feast that they have. And it's reserved for the last one. What is that? Yep. Sukkoth. Leviticus 23, 33-36. Then Yahuwah spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days to Yahuwah. On the first day, there shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it. For seven days you shall offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah. 
On the eighth day, you shall have a holy convocation and you shall offer an offering made by fire to Yahuwah. It is a sacred assembly and you shall do no customary work on it. So the 15th day is a feast of tabernacles. 15th day of the seventh month. And so for 2020, that occurs on October 3, 2020. It's, called, it's also called Sukkoth, the Feast of Tabernacles. And what happens on that day, on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep the Feast of Yahuwah for seven days. On the first day, there shall be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day, a Sabbath rest as well. And you shall take for yourselves on the first day of the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, and bows of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before Yahuwah your God for seven days. It's a day of joy. And even to this day, when the people of Israel celebrate tabernacles, for seven days they dwell in booths. Leviticus 23, 42, 43, you shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in boots, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in boots when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am Yahuwah, your God. So what would happen to Israel during this time for seven days? You will see people out all over Israel, all over Jerusalem. They set up their own boots, and they make it as festive as possible. And so it's a day of celebration and joy. This is why it's also called the Festival of Booths, because during the days of the wanderings of the people of Israel, they traveled as nomads, right? Before they had their own homes and houses, they were living in booths. Each family had like a booth, like a tent. And so that was the situation. So God instituted this festival to remind them of what they went through before they entered the promised land. So these are the seven festivals of Yahuwah, Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of First Fruits, Feast of Weeks, Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and Feast of Tabernacles. In the Gregorian calendar, Passover this year was August 8th. Okay, that's a Wednesday. And then the following day, the Feast of Unleavened. Oh, April, did I say August? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm in an August mind frame. So April 8th, Passover. April 9th, Feast of Unleavened Bread. When is Sabbath? The 11th. One day after the Sabbath, you got the Feast of First Fruits. When is the Feast of Weeks? Pentecost. Pente means five. 50 days from First Fruits. So 50 days from First Fruits takes you to May. May 31st, 2020. And then the next set of feasts on the 19th, the Feast of Trumpets. And then on the 10th day of that month, the seventh month, is the Day of Atonement. And they, lastly, on the 15th day of that month is the Feast of Tabernacles. So why are we talking about the feasts? We know it is a rehearsal, right? And Apostle Paul mentioned something about this rehearsal. What is that? Colossians 2, 16 and 17 let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. So the festivals were rehearsals for an actual event that Yahusha the Christ 
is going to fulfill. Do you get that? This is why it's exciting. Because when we look at the Leviticus 23 structure, it becomes a timeline for us now. Because Yahushua is going to follow that timeline that was given by Yahuwah our God. It is a foreshadowing of what Yahusha, the substance of what these festivals foreshadowed when he comes and fulfills them all. This is why let's go back at the structure beginning with Sabbath, right? We will look at the implications of each of these festivals as it relates to Yahusha. Why do we say as it relates to Yahusha? Because of the purpose of Yahuwah for why he created the whole world in the first place. Remember Sabbath? What was the purpose, purpose of Sabbath? The appointed times of Sabbath is every seventh day. But what was the purpose of Sabbath? In Exodus 20, 11, it was to remember God created all that was created. How was that fulfilled in Yahusha? In John 1, 1 to 3, the Logos existed in the very beginning. I want to pause there for a while. What does Logos mean? Logos, what does it mean? A plan, a plan, a word of God, a thought of the Father. You see, when he created the world, he had a purpose for creating it. What is it for? It's for the Logos. The Logos, the plan of God, existed in the very beginning. The Logos was with God, the Logos was divine. He was with God in the very beginning. Through him, through the Logos, all existence came into being. No existence came into being apart from him. And so even with the very part, first part of that Leviticus 23 structure, at the beginning, it tells us about Yahuwah's plan, right? Yahuwah's plan ever since the beginning is Yahushua. He will be the reason and purpose for everything that was created by the hands of Yahuwah, our God. This is why he's at the heart. He's at the center of everything. He's the Logos. The fulfillment of the Logos is Yahusha the Christ. Well, how about the Passover? When was that fulfilled? Passover. 14th day of Nisan, of the first month, right? The 14th day of the first month. This year will be on the 8th. And what happens on the 8th? The Passover. How did Yahusha fulfill the Passover? Well, in Apostle Paul's words in Corinthians 5, 7, Therefore purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. And so the Passover was fulfilled by who? Yahusha. What does it mean? That Yahusha is the Passover. In John 1, 29, the next day John saw Yahusha coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so Yahusha is the Passover lamb that will take away the sin of the world. We know that. But how many here know when Yahusha actually died? Do you know when Yahusha actually died? When was he slain? You got to find out because we're telling you in advance right now, Yahusha is following a timeline. <laughs> Who created that timeline? Yahuwah. How was that timeline formed? The feasts of Yahuwah. This is why we need to know that timeline. We need to know the feasts of Yahuwah. Take a look at this. John 19, 14, 14, uh, 14 and 16. Now it was 
the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. So they took Yahushua and led him away. And so this was the interrogation of Yahushua, right? He was brought before who? Pilate. So he asked the people, what do you want to do with him? Crucify him. So, okay, go ahead and crucify Yahushua HaMashiach. When did this interrogation happen? The sixth hour on preparation day of Passover. When is preparation day of Passover? The eighth, or not the eighth, but the 14th of Nisan. The actual day of Passover. It was called preparation day because it was in preparation for the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, which is a special what? Sabbath. You get it? Right? And so when we go back, the preparation day was the day of Passover. It was at the sixth hour when he was declared, he was decreed to be crucified. The sixth hour, I believe, was that like 12 o'clock noontime? Okay, so this is what happened at the sixth hour. And so what happened during that day of Passover, John 19, 31, 36. Now, it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath, right? Because it was going to be the Feast of Unleavened Bread, a special Sabbath. And so on the day of Passover, the Jews were very concerned. Why? Because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. I'll pause it for a while. Crucifixion, for you to be able to breathe, you have to push from your feet up. Otherwise, you won't be able to breathe. But because your feet are nailed, it's very excruciating to push up your lungs, right? And so to expedite the death, which is what they want to do, because they want to take the bodies out before before 6 p.m., the beginning of the new day, right? They wanted to take the bodies out before, the, before Passover finishes. What did, they, what did they do to expedite the death? They break the legs. That way, they can no longer lift themselves up to breathe. So that was the plan. And so this is what, what they did. The soldiers, therefore, came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Yahusha, and then those of the other. But when they came to Yahusha and found that he was already dead... They did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Yahushua's side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you may also believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. There was a prophecy about the Messiah that his bones will not be broken. They did not know what that meant until this happened. <laughs> because when they saw Yahusha and they were about to break his legs because they got to get him out of the cross. Because in a matter of hours, it was going to be the special Sabbath day. And so they had to kill him. But when they looked at him, he was already dead. Right? And so what were they, when did Yahusha die? 
Mark 15, 33 to 37. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Yahusha cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he calls, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Yahusha to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to make him, to take him down, he said, with a loud cry. Yahusha breathed his last. So he died at the ninth hour, which would be 3 p.m., right? Before the next day. So he died when? The day of Passover. He died on the 14th of Nisan. The 14th of the first month was when Yahusha died. And when he died, if you look at the top, even before he died, at the sixth hour, what happened? Darkness came over the whole earth. You know, outside of Bible, biblical resources, if you look at historians who wrote about this event, this is what uh, I have to say. This celestial event was even recorded in Rome, Athens, Syria, Carthage, Egypt, as shared by historians, Thales, Plagon, Tertullian, Julius Africanus. It was not just a solar eclipse. A solar eclipse can last only a maximum of seven minutes. This event lasted three hours, and the land so darkened that Phlegon said one could see all the constellation of the stars as if it were night. And so outside of the Bible, historians recorded the event of the darkening of the skies for three hours when Yahusha was hanging on the cross. These are some of the historians who wrote about that. Origin, Philippon, Justice, Julius Africanus, Eusebius. And so you have so many people. On the day of Passover, they concluded, the day of Passover, Yahusha died. Yahusha, take note, was not only the Passover lamb who was to be slain for the sins of the world. He was killed on the 14th of the seventh month, or of the first month, or on Passover. It's not seventh month, first month. Right? And so we have Yahusha fulfilling Passover. He himself being the Passover lamb. He himself dying on the 14th day of the first month. Well, how about the Feast of Unleavened Bread? How did Yahusha fulfill this? The Feast of Unleavened Bread. Who do you think is the unleavened bread? <laughs> Isn't that obvious? Who is the unleavened bread? When was the Feast of Unleavened Bread celebrated? 15th, right? In our calendar for 2020, on the 9th. So the Feast of Unleavened Bread was about unleavened bread, <laughs> removing of leaven. And so when they had the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, what did they have to do? In the first month of the 14th day of the month of the evening, so that's why I said it started on the 14th, right, the Passover, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven, no leaven shall be found in your houses. Since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. So they were very serious about the leaven. You know, during the days of Israel, they probably had no idea. Why are we doing this? 
The leaven, what is the purpose? You see, Yahusha did not come into the scene yet. Now we know because we know what leaven stands for, right? What is leaven? In Corinthians 5 verse 7, you must remove the old yeast, which is another word for leaven, the old yeast of sin. So leaven represented pride and sin. And so unleavened bread represented bread without sin. Well, who is the bread without sin? Yahusha says in John 6.35, and Yahusha said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he shall live forever. So he is the bread of life. Is he without sin? Yes. This is why he is the unleavened bread in actual fulfillment. But being the bread, he is composed basically of what is the components of bread? What is bread made of? Huh? Grain, right? Like grain of wheat. That's how you make bread. You crush the grain to make bread. And so this is what Yahusha says about that. John 12, 23, 24. But Yahusha answered them saying, The hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most surely I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. So Yahusha is telling us that he is going to die and he is going into where? What does it say? Into the ground. He's going to be buried. And so the unleavened bread himself, he says, as the bread of life, for me, for him to be able to produce more grain, he has to what? He has to die. And so the unleavened bread was alluding to the burial of the grain that is Yahusha. He is the first grain that has to be taken into the earth. This is why the Jews were scrambling to make sure to remove uh, the people hanging on the cross, hanging on the cross, remove them from the cross and bury them. Why? There was a law of Yahuwah concerning that in Deuteronomy 21, 22, 23, if a man has committed a sin deserving of death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree. This is why sometimes you hear Jesus or Yahusha hanging on a tree, right? Referring to the crucifixion. It's because this was being applied because the Jews considered him a criminal. And so he was hung on a tree. He was hung on a cross. His body, however, shall not remain overnight on the tree. You get that? It will not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day so that you do not defile the land which Yahuwah, your God, is giving you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. So Yahusha died at 3 p.m. The Jews, what do they want to do? They wanted to bury him right away. They wanted to bury him right away. And so Joseph of Arimathea, what did he request knowing this? He had leverage, knowing that the Jews wanted to get rid of the body. What did Joseph Arimathea do? John 19, 38, 42. By the way, uh, Joseph, let me just read it. After this, Joseph Arimathea, being a disciple of Yahusha, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away 
the body of Yahusha. And Pilate said, gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Yahusha. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Yahusha by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds. They, then they took the body of Yahusha and bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. Now is the place where he was crucified, where he was a garden, a garden, a new tomb in which no one had been laid. So there they laid Yahusha because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was nearby. And so because Joseph of Arimathea understood that Yahusha had to be buried right away, he requested Pilate to take the body. So he must have been a very influential person to convince uh, Pilate to give him the body. And so the body was handed over to Joseph of Arimathea, who just so happens to be so rich, he had a garden and a new tomb, right? It's like everything was prepared for this day. Yahuwah, after all, is orchestrating history behind the scenes. And so Yahusha eventually was buried. Other witnesses said this in Mark 15, 42, 47. Now when evening had come, it was evening already, because it was the preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. What Sabbath is that? Not the Saturday, but the special Sabbath. Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went into Pilate and asked for the body of Yahushua. Pilate marveled what, that he was already dead. And summoning the centurion, he asked him if he had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Then he, he bought fine linen, took him down, and wrapped him in linen. And he laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of, Je of, of, of Yahushua, observed where he was laid. And so according to what we read, Yahushua was buried. He was in the grave right after he died. And so when we look at the time of events, Yahusha died on the 14th day of the first month. And he was in the grave on the 15th day of the first month. You see how he's following the timeline, right? And so how about the Feast of First Fruits? When did that happen? It's the day after Sabbath, after Passover, or the first month. Now, when you say the day of the first fruits, because it's after Sabbath. The Sabbath referred to there is the Saturday Sabbath, and that happens to be the first, the feast of first fruits, right? And for this year, April 12. However, um, when was this going to happen? In Leviticus 23, 9 and 12, the feast of first fruits. When does this happen? In verse 11, it says, he shall wave the sheaf before Yahuwah to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. The, so the priest is going to wave a sheaf of the first fruits to Yahuwah, our God. And this was going to happen on the day of first fruits. A sheaf of the first fruits is basically a bundle 
It's one bundle that the priest is going to offer to Yahuwah our God. He's going to wave it like this. It's always like presenting it to Yahuwah our God. You know what happened on the, on the day of first fruits, which is the Sunday, right? The Sunday after the death of Yahusha. Luke 24, 1 down to 7. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of Lord Yahusha. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, he said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day, rise again. On the day of first fruits, some people went to the tomb expecting to see the body of Yahusha. But when they got there, what did they find? An empty tomb. Why? Because the prophecy was fulfilled. On the third day, he has risen. Knowing this, Apostle Paul said in Corinthians 15, 20, 23, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. What does he say? The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Why is he called the first fruits of those who had fallen asleep? Verse 21, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn, or each in his own time. Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. And so Yahusha was called the first fruit, because he was the first to be resurrected, never to die again. And because he resurrected, never to die again, those who belong to him will also experience the same resurrection. This is why... When we look at Yahusha and the festivals, Yahusha died on the 14th day of the first month. He was in the grave the 15th day of the first month. And he, was in, he resurrected the day after Sabbath, after the Passover, also of the first month. Yahusha's following all of that, right? And so what happens next? 50 days from the, first, from the Feast of First Fruits, is the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, right? When is that? That's going to be May 31st for this year. It's called the Feast of Weeks, Feast of Harvest. Remember, Feast of First Fruits was a dedication of God. Feast of Harvest was God giving a gift to the people of Israel, right? And so what do you suppose is going to happen on Pentecost? 50 days from the, the Feast of First Fruits. Let's read the book of Acts 1, 4 to 5. And when they came together, he gave them this order. Yahushua is still on earth. And he's speaking to his disciples. He says to them, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. I told you about the gift my father promised. John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What is that gift? The Father promised. What is that gift? The Holy 
Spirit. For when will they receive this gift? Bible says, when they go back to Jerusalem, stay in Jerusalem until they get this gift. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. When did that happen? Acts 2, 1 4. When did they have Pentecost? What is that? The Feast of Harvest? The Feast of Weeks? When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so on the day of Pentecost, the feast, of weeks, the feast of harvest. What happened to the church, the followers of Yahushua? They received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so on that day, officially, the Kahal, the church of Yahushua, was born. The day the Holy Spirit came down was the official birth date of the Kahal of Yahushua or the church of Yahushua. Now, there's something interesting that we need to see when they were celebrating the Feast of Weeks or the Feast of Harvest. And so I want to go back to Leviticus 23, 17 to 18. You shall bring from your dwellings two wave loaves of two tenths of an ephah. They shall be a fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. What does leaven stand for again? Sin, right? They are the first fruits to Yahuwah. The priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before Yahuwah with the two lambs. It shall be holy to Yahuwah for the priest. So we have here when they celebrated in the Old Testament the feast of weeks or the feast of harvest, the priest will wave before Yahuwah our God two loaves of what? Leavened bread. And so leaven represents sin. Two loaves represents two groups of people. Two loaves. Two loaves, two groups of people who are with leaven or with what? Sin. Remember, on first fruits, the priest would wave what? A sheaf. A sheaf of grain to Yahuwah, the first fruits. Right? One sheaf. But the two will be made one, right? The two leavened eventually will be raised to Yahuwah as sinners and received as one through Yahusha. What do you think that represents? The two loaves, the two groups of people who is with sin that will be one with Yahusha. Who do you think that is? Remember, on the Pentecost, who were called first? The Jews. The first members of the church were Jews, right? That was the kingdom of Yahusha. But eventually, what would happen? Acts 15, 6 to 9. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledge them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. 
and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Not only did the Jews receive the Spirit, the gift that is representative of the Feast of Weeks, even the Gentiles received the Spirit. And so the two loaves represented there were the Jews and the Gentiles. Did the two become one? Yes. How so? In Corinthians 12, Christ is like a single body, which has many parts. It is still one body, even though it's made of different parts. In the same way, all of us, whether Jews or Gentiles, whether slaves or free, have been baptized into the one body by the same spirit. And we have all been given the one spirit to drink. And so the day of Pentecost was the birth and expansion of the kingdom, the kahal of Yahushua. Do you see how it all lines up? The Passover, beginning with Sabbath, how Yahushua is the beginning plan and how everything will be redeemed by him. Passover, 14th day of the month, Yahushua died. Feast of Unleavened Bread, 15th day, Yahushua was in the grave. Feast of First Fruits, first fruits Yahushua was resurrected. Feast of Weeks, Yahushua's Kahal was born. At this point, Yahushua was in heaven. Right? And while he was in heaven, he sent his representative, the Spirit. And so each of these events, they were fulfilled by who? Yahushua. Are you beginning to see how the festivals of Yahuwah is a timeline? You see it? Who's following the timeline? Yahusha. He knew when he was going to die. <laughs> he knew when he was going to be in the grave. He knew when he was going to come out of the grave. And he knew when he will give the gift of the spirit to his God. Right? You see that? To the T. He uh, not only were the festivals alluding to him. He fulfilled every single one of them on the same days, right? What do you see? What do you notice, though, about the first three feasts? What do you notice? Look at the first three feasts. What do you notice? You see it? I'll give you five seconds. What do you notice about the first three feasts? Maybe I'll ask my daughter. Sister Jenna. What do you notice about the first three feasts? What do they have in common? Huh? Let's ask my son, Brent. What do they have in common? Same month. It all happened in the first month. Right? 14th, 15th, and the Sabbath after Passover. It all happened on the first month. Why is that important? Because, and because it's distinct from the last, from the, the other uh, festivals. What do you notice about the last three festivals? What do you notice about the last three festivals? What do you notice? 
What the last? Yes. It all happened on the seventh month, right? And what do you notice about the the, the three festivals, uh, the first three festivals and the last three festivals? First, and then it jumps all the way to, and so there's a big gap, right? between the first four festivals and the next three festivals. You notice that? There's this big gap of time between the end of festival four and the beginning of festival five, right? And what else do you notice about the first month? Look at the slide. That represented Yahusha's first coming. Right? And so, what do you think the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles, allude to? What do you think that represents? If the first three that fell in the first month represented the first coming, he died, he went to the grave, he resurrected, then he went to heaven, then you have the Pentecost, he's in heaven, right? And then you have the, the three feasts on the seventh month. And so what do you think the last three feasts represent? Yep. Could be the second. Coming. Yahusha fulfilled each of these events in the first four festivals on the same day. On the exact date when they were observed. Do you understand that? And so what does that mean? We should be preparing for the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles. What do you think? I think we need to study that. Why? Because it represents the second coming. Yahusha will fulfill the next three at his second coming. This is why we need to understand all about these last three feasts. Remember, these are rehearsals for the actual event. The first four were rehearsed in the Old Testament. And at the start of the New Testament, the rehearsal became actual when Yahushua died, when Yahushua went to the grave, and when Yahushua resurrected, and Yahushua has given his spirit to his kahal. It was all fulfilled sequen sequentially, one after the other. And so we can assume, again, it's an assumption, that the next three festivals will also be fulfilled by Yahusha HaMashiach. This is why Yahusha said in the book of Luke, we're almost done, 21, 34, 36, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down. And Luke 21 is about the day of the end, about the day of his coming. If you read Luke 21, it's all about what's going to happen right before he comes back. He says, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and cares of this life. And that day... Come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Yahusha says, when he will come back for some people, it will be a snare. Why? Because they were not expecting it. You see that? What does that mean? There are people who are 
expecting it. And so what does Yahushua instruct us to do? He says, watch, watch. Yahushua is telling his disciples to watch for his return. But how can we watch for his return? What does that mean? That we watch for the return of Yahushua HaMashiach. Thessalonians 5, 1, 4. But concerning the times and, what does it say? The seasons. What is that in reference to? The feasts of Yahuwah. Apostle Paul says, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. I want to pause it for a while. Apostle Paul is assuming his audience already know about what? The festivals, right? Apostle Paul says, I have no need to write to you about that. You already know that. And so he wants us to know it. This is why it's good to, to know the whole counsel of God. This is why we need to understand the festival of Yahuwah because it's a timeline. It's a timeline that goes, that continues even to this very day. This is why Apostle Paul says in verse 2, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. As a labor pain, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, because you know the times and the seasons, because you know the festivals, you know it's a timeline. Apostle Paul says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness. So this day should not overtake you as a thief. This is why for people who understand the timeline, who know the time and the seasons, we can watch, we can expect, we can watch for the return of Yahusha. Because he will fulfill that timeline. What's the proof? He fulfilled the first four. Which means he's likely going to fulfill the, second, the, the next three. When is the next three? The seventh month? September. In September, I'm not saying it's going to be this September, right? I'm just saying in 2020, we should be watching. We should be watchful. Feast of Trumpets for this year is September 19th. Day of Atonement is September 28th. And October the 3rd is the Feast of Tabernacles. Again, Yahushua says, take heed therefore to yourselves that they come on you unexpectedly. For it will be a snare for many people. But verse 36, watch, watch, therefore, and pray. Always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Here's my question. What's going to happen on the Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, Feast of Tabernacles? What does that mean? We'll answer that in our next Bible History Project. And I cannot wait to share with you what the Bible, what the Bible tells us about the last day events. We're going to look at Daniel. We're going to look at Yahushua when he said the, the day of desolation, right? Remember that? We're going to look at uh, the kingdom and the millennium of Yahushua. And we're going to see how all this plays out and how we can fully prepare ourselves for the second advent of Yahushua HaMashiach. We don't want you to miss 
the conclusion, well, not the conclusion, but the next portion, the next part of our study, as we look deeply at how Yahusha is going to fulfill, according to the prophecy, how Yahusha is going to fulfill the festivals that was outlined in Leviticus 23. No, Leviticus 23 is the key. Understanding the feasts unlocks the prophecies in the prophets and also the book of Revelation. You cannot understand Revelation. You cannot understand the prophets unless you know the feasts of Yahuwah. They unlock so many mysteries. And we will share you what it will be unfolding in the coming days ahead. So we do wish that you will sh uh, share uh, this Bible study with, uh, with others. And come back next week for our Bible study. Let us all, let us stand, and we shall pray together. Loving Abba, yes. merciful and almighty Yahuwah our God, Amen. thank you so much because you have blessed us with wisdom. Yes. Your whole counsel yes. is indeed needed for your people to learn, yes. to anticipate your works that are upcoming, that yes. we can receive the promise of your everlasting Amen. life. Thank you for sharing with us yes. through your book and through your spirit yes. what we need to know to prepare ourselves fully. Amen. Yahushua HaMashiach, we worship you as well. Yes. When we look around us, we see so many events unfolding. Yes. Many of us say to ourselves, could this be the end? Yes. It could be. And so we are preparing ourselves at all times yes. because you said you can come at any time. Yahusha, you have fulfilled the timeline. Yes. We know that you want us to prepare yes. and to keep watching for you. Yes. Help us to do just that, to place our focus on you yes. always in our life. Amen. Father, thank you so much. Help us to be understanding of your will. Yes. Help us to fulfill them and to prepare ourselves for the great day of our salvation. Amen. We ask and beg everything. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.